0: Like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan.
1: Welcome everybody back to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, Harrison is out. He uh, hurt his groin, I think, looking out the window. So I am joined instead by Kirk Henderson of Mavs Moneyball. Uh, longtime friend of mine, Kirk. It always catches me by surprise how long we've known each other. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been back when you were with uh, Silver
0: Screen and Roll and Drew was in charge. Um I was one of those first times in Vegas where uh, we all kind of were just like happy wandering around the strip.
1: Yeah. You know? I remember <laughs> I remember asking you verbatim, "Wait, your Kirk serious face?" <laughs> 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 uh yeah. when are, when, I mean it's
0: been like what, well, I think it's been at least 6 6 years, maybe 7, yeah. I don't know.
1: I think it's I think it's around there. I think I've been at Silver Screen and Roll for about 6 7 years now and I think I've known you for basically the entirety of that time. Uh, today's show, we are going to continue this uh, theme of talking to people who cover teams that I consider contenders with the Lakers, teams that the Lakers might see in the playoffs, teams that uh, you know are, are figure into the title conversation, some more so than others. Uh, Dallas is one of these teams that I just I can't figure out. I have no idea how to feel about them. Uh, obviously, Luca is really, really good. Last offseason, they went in a direction where they tried to add athleticism to try to, you know, be uh, a more serious defensive team that didn't work out so well. First part of the year. So they just decided, you know what, let's just go back to scoring way more than everybody. Uh, And then I think they've kind of stuck with more of that identity this offseason. How did you feel about the offseason that uh, the Dallas Mavericks had? So if you're going season by season, this offseason was fine. If you're going by sort of a big picture,
0: what are they building towards? It's just another kind of quasi stumble um, where they're paying for the fact that they got Chris Stapp's Porzingis several years ago, and he continues to be their big offseason acquisition. Um, they don't really have anything they can do now. Uh, it will. I think they're going to be, you know, we should talk, we should really expound on this. I think they're going to be a bear to play in the regular season. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they fixed a single playoff hole that they have. The question now becomes is do those holes matter because Luca has only played the Los Angeles Clippers in the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) Like
1: it's 13 games of history, all of them against Kawhi Leonard. That is that's one of the funnier stats in the NBA today that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy who has had some like legitimately great playoff moments and every single one of those moments have come against the same team. every single one of them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's like a nightmare to some degree and because and they're also uh, like a really tough matchup for them. Like they're the worst they're... Ma-
0: like probably the worst possible matchup because right. the, the the clippers if you if you know if we go back a couple of years where the Clippers uh, signed Kawhi and Paul George, they signed Quine Paul George as a counter to the Lakers. And if they're designed to beat the Lakers, the Mavericks are a beta version of the Lakers in terms mm-hmm. of their, uh, their pairing, Um, mm-hmm. where they have a, uh, like a, a multi-talented. Yeah. Yeah. Two mm-hmm. stars, not as good as either, either guy, but so if, if they're designed to beat the Lakers, of course they're going to beat the Mavs.
1: Yeah. I, I think for me, the biggest reason I can't really place the Mavericks is I don't know what kind of a season Kristaps Porzingis is going to have Not me like, that, like that's just, he's the most enigmatic I think player in the NBA right now where he was at one point, you know, the, the, the unicorn was the label thrown around with bigs that who, who can do all of the things that uh, Porzingis could do back in the day. His athleticism has kind of waned a little bit, so he's not doing as many of those unicornish things. So now he's just kind of more of a a spot up shooter in pick and pop situations. And then defensively, uh, the lateral movement has really kind of sunk. And yet Dallas, for you know for for whatever reason, really seems to think they're going to stick with this pairing. We're we're still going to wait and see whenever Chris taps really you know taps back into. The talent that they that he had when they first traded for him and and the idea of Porzingis, the question becomes like, is the idea of Porzingis is that is that like when will the idea of Porzingis match the reality of Porzingis? And 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 if so, can Dallas address any flaws in the roster because of the distance between the idea of Porzingis and the reality of Porzingis? I mean, he's basically
0: the X Factor. So let's let's just kind of go through things with him. So last year, more or less, if you listen to the narrative, and it's a narrative that I espouse constantly, he had a pretty piss poor season. Then you look at his numbers and he had his most efficient season by a country mile. He's he was 29. Mm-hmm. He'd only played 44 games, and that is is really where the heart of the matter lies with Porzingis, in that he has only played 60% of career games, like his entire he's missed 40% of his career. Yeah. That sort of thing is simply unlikely to get better. You, so let's just assume he plays 66, 60% of the games this season. The Mavericks have to build around that. And when he's on the floor, can he be anything like he was in the 1920 season? So um I talked with uh gosh, what's his name? He writes for your site. Um, the the, the doctor, uh Bar? physical therapist. Yeah, mm-hmm. he basically told me at one point that you know, if you look at Porzingis's combined injuries the last several years, he tore an ACL in one year. And then tore meniscus in the opposite knee the next year. So he told me that it's not really a surprise that Porzingis doesn't have a lot of confidence in his body. And then you roll into last season, which everyone knows, you know, the Lakers dealt with this absolutely, that the injuries it was if you were dealing with a nagging injury, getting on track was not possible because there's just too many games. Mm-hmm. And and so the argument for Porzingis is that. He's had a, a healthy ish, you know, he everyone's like, Oh, he finished the offseason healthy. He did not finish the off-season healthy. He simply didn't finish the off-season hurt, like there was mm. no specific injury. <laughs> he just needed the time, you know, he was worn down and uh kind of immobile. And so the, the argument is that if he can show some increased mobility, like even a little bit, then the Mavericks are probably going to be in a better place because they fell from 17th in the league in defense on in 1920 to uh 21st in, in defense or 22nd something like that last season and that was enough to make them you know it, it was just a, a a small enough drop to make them fairly easy to attack uh Porzingis got scored on 60 percent at the rim which is terrible for a 7-3 yeah. guy if he can get that down to kind of his career average around the of, of upper 40s like low 50s the Mavericks are simply going to be better and if they can play him if if the you know because the schedule is going to be more consistent this year, if the Mavericks can get, I would say, eighty two game season.
1: Let's say they get fifty five games out of him, I think that's a win. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's just I, I look at Porzingis the same way I kind of look at Anthony Davis playing the five. You just need enough reps so that when you go to those lineups that Luca and Chris Apps uh, should really take advantage of other teams against, they have enough reps to be able to do that. Um, some breaking news as we're recording this right now. So I don't know if you have to take off, Ooh. but uh, the Dallas Mavericks, according to uh, Brad Townsend, has uh, they have parted ways with Haralabov.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I I had uh, I had heard that Cuban refused to let him out of his contract prior to um, draft and free agency, and so they were just going to ride it out. Um, he was not fired and, and Brad Townsend of, of the Dallas morning news reported that like, this is a mutual parting of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cuban has a really hard time letting go of people that he likes. I mean, Rick Carlisle had to, you know, basically say I'm leaving. Okay, Mark, I'm, I'm quitting the org. I am going, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Do you understand? You know, that kind of. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a weird deal. You know, there there are pluses and minuses to having such a hyper involved owner, but, you know, having one member of an analytics staff um, that, you know, kind of he didn't very do volatile. Purpose well, he was volatile, but he sort of usurped power in kind of an accidental way if if we're reading the tea leaves correctly, because Mm -hmm. Donnie Nelson was like, he was the kind of manager, I don't know if you've ever had this in an office environment, who let people work until there was a big project, and then he was like a hovering mom where it's like, okay, we got to do this, 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 and this, and so there were often (laughs) like like all sorts of conflicting messages, and then frankly, like, players didn't want to play for Donnie and and Rick Carlisle, you know? Mm -hmm. Black guys did not want to play for Donnie and Rick Carlisle. That's the thing that I've heard.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to uh, to update the uh, the situation. It's just so wild to see so many of these parting of ways happen within a week of media days. For sure, for sure. <laughs> what are we doing? This could have been done a month ago.
0: <laughs> right, we waited uh, on, why do it now?
1: <laughs> but yeah, back to, uh, back to Porzingis and back to AD, the comparison I make again is that like, These guys, you know, 80 doesn't want to play the five more than I would say 40, 50 percent of his minutes. And even that's a little high, I think, from just in terms of what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. The question just becomes like how much Like, what does that percent percentage have to be in order for the Lakers to get enough reps so that when they throw that fastball, it's one hundred and two with motion and not like ninety eight and kind of flattening out, you know, and and I think for for. Uh, the, the Dallas Mavericks with Porzingis. It's just like, can you play enough? Can you be available enough? Can you be healthy enough often enough so that we can get enough reps to where we know what we're getting when we go to you in the postseason alongside Luke and alongside these various lineups? And and I think that's kind of sort of on top of the identity, identity crisis that I think they had last year. I think that to me is is the one thing that's really uh, that needs to happen for the for the Mavericks to be really fully unlocked. Um, with Luca specifically, there was some conversation about Ben Simmons, um, and and whether that that would be a fit there. Uh, if his price gets suppressed enough, maybe Dallas figures into that conversation. I, I have no idea, but but the 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 conversation about it, I'm not really interested in whether or not Simmons winds up there. Is like, well it wouldn't necessarily work because Luca doesn't want to give up the ball. He doesn't want to give up the power of, of having the ball in his hands and Simmons kind of sort of needs the ball. Yeah. Um, in a, in a secondary at least uh role to, to really blossom alongside Luca is that, are we heading into a situation here where like Luca needs to realize, Hey, the hardened ball doesn't really It's great in the regular season, you're an incredibly efficient player, but come postseason, that makes us a little too one-dimensional. Do you think he'll he'll recognize that, or do you think that's even a problem?
0: It depends which way you approach it from, because let's just keep in mind that the 21, 22-year-old player who looks like he's related to Adam Sandler in terms of his build. Like he has no physical, <laughs> like he has Adam no has a similar
1: jumper too. Like, yeah, on I mean, panel. he, he
0: has like, he has thick ankles. He has no definition in his arms. At one point he wore an undershirt as an ode to bloggers everywhere. <laughs> and yet this guy rolled into a seven game and in, in 13 games against the Clippers in the playoffs. He's averaged 33.5 points. Eight point, uh, or I'm sorry, 8.8 rebounds and 9.5 assists. Been the best player in all of those 13 games. All 13. Basically. And so a, as he's never once been in prime shape, and it's he's young, so you get it. So it's kind of hard to make the argument that, that it doesn't work. In, the better argument is really that it hasn't worked. And over the course of a, you know, if you want to get to the finals, you have to win 16 times, and you're playing, you know, a team like Dallas is probably playing at minimum in the playoffs 22 to 24 games to get to the finals. Luca cannot have a 40% usage rate, 50% usage rate, which is what he was getting at. So in that respect I don't think it's it's really it's it it works but it's not sustainable. I think is is kind of the way that I would phrase it. And I, I do think he he would be okay with giving the ball up to someone. The problem is is they just keep having players that don't have that option. Jalen Brunson was a big part of their rotation last season, one of the best off the guard or off the bench scoring guards, really unbelievable rim stats. Uh, but he passed, and this will crack longtime Lakers fans up who've seen J.J. Barea for years. He had an assist rate, half that of J.J. Barea, and basically played the exact same role. And JJ mm. Barea in my fan mind never fucking passed. Oh, I <laughs> probably should have asked if I, so it's like, no, like so good. this guy never passes. Like, yes. He, he, he simply doesn't see stuff. So if they're going to get another guy who dribbles and handles the ball, it has to be someone who's able to make basketball plays and the players that they brought in the past several, uh, two years um, have, have not, functioned in that role like they're they're very tentative or guys that need the ball longer to you know they it's like like almost like a Derrick Henry style running back situation where certain players just need to have the ball over the course of the game to get comfortable with it the Mm -hmm. Mavericks need to have a secondary playmaker who is kind of an instant spark guy and they just they haven't found that yet
1: yeah I for a while there, I thought Caruso would wind up in Dallas. Like that's one of the jokes that the long running jokes that you and I had all season last year, it would have been so much heat for that. He would have been ideal. (laughs) He he was a perfect fit. I, I, and especially at the contract that he got, like I thought, I thought it was just a a perfect fit all around. It didn't wind up happening. Um, Even there though, he doesn't necessarily fit in that regard where he's just like an instant spark plug. But yeah, I I, I think that makes some sense. Somebody who can just kind of, You hand the ball off to, and you say, "All right, you, you go do, like C plus Luca stuff for five minutes here and there. Just go, go do your thing for like five minutes on each side of the half, and then and and we'll figure it out. uh, The other thirty eight minutes over the course of the game, and and uh, it's it's kind of odd that they haven't found that guy because, like, that's the kind of player that real Hooper Twitter says is always available. Like they're Mm -hmm. always complaining that." This real Hooper hasn't been signed, and that seems like like Dallas needs a real Hooper. Like- yeah, I mean they <laughs> they
0: signed Trey Burke to a hilarious contract after he played in the 1920 bubble, where he just lit the Clippers on fire for like three out of the six games. Then they signed him to a three year deal that had a 15 percent trade kicker, and he's unplayable. Like the man can't dribble with his left hand, but <laughs> you know in, in the right situation he was outstanding, and they they just they keep doing this. The Mavericks are a franchise that, in terms of offseason behavior, attempts to, and you'll forgive the pun here because it's the name of my blog, but they moneyball everything, yep. where it's an all-star or it's nothing. And I have been sort of losing my mind in the off-season and that I wanted them to find a way to go get now the Toronto Raptors' Goran Dragic, and not just because he's Luka's countryman, but because Luca, like one, he's a like you. The Lakers fans saw him in the finals. He's a bit of a shell of himself. But a year ago, at this point, the man was in the NBA Finals mm-hmm. and really was the second best player. And at yeah, some it was point, really
1: good before he got hurt.
0: Right. And and he's you know he's older. He's a he's a like a spark plug guard, like I just described. And then he adds the secondary benefit of of being Luca's countryman, and they've played together on the national team. And Luca really respects him. There are just, there, mm. there, there's a lot of, and, and Luka needs that because, you know, one of the things I'm most fascinated in this year is can anyone reach him? Like I mentioned earlier, he's one of the top five players in the league and it, he has so much he could improve, but, if he's able to show up and basically be a savant at what, you know, he'll eventually figure it out. Superstars always do, but when, like when is he going to make that leap? Not if, because I really think like the guy's gotten better every single year he's played basketball.
1: Yeah. It's kind of hard to even think of what a leap would look like for Luca. Like it's, it's kind of terrifying to be completely Mm -hmm. honest. I mean,
0: the, the leap, the real leap is honestly how he played in the playoffs because he was focused. He wasn't out eating Uber eats. He wasn't having a good time being a 20 something person in Dallas. Um, Just, just, you know, take that for what you will, but anyone who even casually watched the Mavericks, if they, they won, I want to say 66% of their games after all-star break. And then they lost to the Kings three times. And then they lost to, um, the uh, the Grizzlies they lost to a bunch of sub 500 teams because Luca just doesn't take them seriously. Um, and he's he, he because he <laughs> and it's really obvious because if you ever tune into a Dallas game and you see that his cheeks are flushed, you know he's gonna have a he, he's gonna have a, a, a poor night. Uh, Atlanta Hawks fans pointed <laughs> this out to me and now I can't stop seeing it. They call, him, see it. <laughs> they call him they call him pink face Luca and it's just
1: it's it's preposterous. So that's phenomenal. I love, I, you know what? I can't even criticize it. I can relate. Right. <laughs> like, me in my twenties, I would have been a terrible professional. I was a terrible professional in the jobs that I held in my twenties. Um, yeah. I, I guess, I guess it, part of it, I think like you're saying when it comes to Luca and that, and that next step forward especially if it's a mental thing is getting somebody on the team who holds that player accountable, mm-hmm. right? Like that, who holds that player, who, you know, somebody who says as Luca is dressing up to go out, Hey man, like this is the fourth time this week. Are you sure we need to, right? right. <laughs> are you sure? Are, she, are you sure this is something that we need to do? Um, that's that's, that's a really interesting and, and, and honestly correct way to, to kind of look at what the Mavericks can do to help them along that process. Um, what are your what are your hopes expectations for for this team?s Like, like what what do you what would you love to see happen this season? And then you know, kind of where do you think your expe- expectations are going to sit for them? So the
0: one thing that we haven't talked about at all is former Lakers assistant and current new head coach Jason Kidd, and the Mavericks as an arc oh, as wow. an archetype on paper. They're gonna be fine because mm-hmm. the offense works. The defense will be okay. Just on paper, understanding the players have involved. The real question is: is what does Jason Kidd bring? Um, his his time as a head coach sucks, and mm-hmm. anyone that argues that simply hasn't looked at where his team ranked in like the various statistical categories. Yeah, low in three point attempts, low in offense, mediocre at best in defense. Um, he had one outlier year that the league then finished. It was the the first year with the Bucs where he was blitzing. Like, they blitzed all the time. Uh, the Mavericks don't have defensive players, so I don't know what he's really going to do. And so he's sort of the 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 bellwether for how this team goes to where if uh, former Suns head coach and former Slovenian national team coach Igor Kokoskov?
1: Yeah, Kokoskov or Koskov?
0: Yeah. I don't want to F it up, but yeah. he, he's he's a sensibly the role that Jason Kidd played with the, with the Lakers last year, which was from what I understood kind of offensive coordinator. And if, if depending on, on how the delineations are split up, if kid lets them run, I think they could be okay. If kid, does Jason kid things like he has in the past and is over manipulative and kind of a lunatic, which seems to be, he was the exact opposite with the Lakers. Um, Mm -hmm. I heard Frank Vogel on a a spectrum podcast yesterday where it's just, he talked about how good of friends they were and the kind of, you know, the energy he brought to the team. Like if that's the Jason kid, the Mavericks get then I'm going to feel really happy. I think that in all honesty, based on the team, the the number of back to backs and the schedule doesn't have any like murderous rows stretches. If they remain marginally healthy, their top end is a is a three-four seat. Mm-hmm. Um, their ceiling is playing, or I'm sorry, their floor is playing. Um, mm-hmm. Luca will, will roll out of bed and give you 40 games. So uh
1: Koskikov is the there coach that you're talking about, and um and yeah, and, and so Kid is fascinating to me because, like you're talking about, you have the statistical information that is right there for anybody to Google in regards to uh Jason Kidd as a head coach. That kind of on un- all of his teams underperformed, and um, and yet you have players saying, like, you know, Jared Dudley is out there who is now on your staff, so maybe he was uh putting a little extra work in, but Jared Dudley is crediting Jason Kidd for developing Giannis, and yet. You read the Giannis book, <laughs> and uh, it is not exactly a, a positive picture of, of <laughs> what Jason Kidd did in his time as a coach. When you talk about the man, uh, manipulation stuff, the way that he interacted with the people that he worked with and, and constantly tried to slide up the ladder and, and, and was maybe more focused on that than, than the actual coaching part of this stuff. But the Lakers, um, if you ask any of them, will say – he was phenomenal in his role, um, did what they, what they asked of him to do. Um, and, and, and like you're saying with Frank, Frank considered him a friend. This is somebody in Jason Kidd that <laughs> when he was hired, uh, there were it, it launched a thousand memes of, of him stabbing Frank Vogel in the back um, in, en route to his own taking over of the Lakers. And and so I don't know I don't I don't know how to analyze that dichotomy that no. is Jason Kidd and it's gonna fall somewhere on that spectrum where he either reverts back to now that he has power now that he has the role that he's been looking for all these years he reverts back to bad habits or he learns from the habits that he built as he earned this latest position. I don't yeah. I don't know how that's actually going to go. And and I think, yeah, when you're considering the kind of coach that he's replacing and what Rick Carlisle brings to the table over the course of the regular season, like if Kid reverts, that's that's not great for Dallas. But if he is capable and if Koskakoff is a good offensive coordinator, good enough tactician to make up for some of what Kid is lacking in that regard, then Dallas might improve as a coaching staff. I don't. Well, they don't have any defense to fall back on. So if their offense stinks, it's
0: going to be very clearly like, oh, okay. And and I don't know. It. The Mavericks are such a. I don't know if I'm willing to share. You know what? Hell with it. Lakers fans and anybody that that is in business will appreciate this take. I referred to the Mavericks as the, the the like the the basketball version of the Peter Principle, and and the Peter Principle is a business concept where managers mm-hmm. will only rise to their level of incompetence. Mm. And Mark Cuban, um, as an owner and slash honestly the GM of the team, has risen to his level of incompetence the last ten years, where I think he valued his own input a lot more than that of Donnie Nelson's and mm-hmm. uh, which is how her got involved and the Mavericks have failed up in a lot of circumstances. You know, the, they convinced um, the, the team concept, both, both Donnie Nelson and uh Haral Bob convinced Mark Cuban to trade up to get um, Luka, uh, Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that has really mattered over the years. You know, you, mm-hmm. Porzingis, our discussion about him earlier aside, I think, you know, when a superstar is on the market, if you have a chance to get a superstar, even one that, uh, because if anybody's on the market, it's usually because of a team having an issue, like, or a guy wants out or the player has an issue. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't a fan of the move at the time, but I understand it. And so it's like, of those things, the Mavericks are in a place right now where they, they just need to, to get over a hump, whether that's first round of the playoffs or what's next and figure it out. But by changing, you know, so much with the front office and the coaching staff, if they get off to a rocky start at all, who, since the players are all the same, <laughs> it's going to mm-hmm. be the new people that take the, uh, that take mm-hmm. the brunt of the, the criticism.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I, like I said, there are, there are some teams that I think I have a decent feel for, right? Like I, I think the Nuggets are going to be good. I think the Nuggets are going to be just fine until Murray gets back. And then Murray gets back, depending on how healthy he's going to be. I think the Nuggets are going to be a really good team. I think we're going to get the same old song and dance from Utah, where they look phenomenal for stretches of the regular season, and they have a good enough regular season to get a nice high seed. And then we see the same old Utah Jazz in the postseason. But the difference to me with with Dallas is Luka is so much better than... Even Donovan Mitchell and even Rudy Gobert and 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 I think he's capable of having a kind of like Jokic type impact um, where he's such a savant offensively that you take whatever happens on defense and and it, it and it gives Dallas a great floor. But what what can they do to raise that ceiling? And I think if they figure out over the course of the season how to raise that ceiling, and I think they tried by surrounding him with more athleticism to make them a more serious postseason type team. Um, if they, if they get that balance more correct than they did the first time around, I think Dallas is going to be really, really good. It's just difficult to do that. Like you're talking about with a lot of the same pieces. And so I, I don't um, yeah, I I'm looking forward to seeing what, what they can possibly do. And I'm looking forward to seeing how these two teams match up. I think it's a pretty bad matchup. Like you're talking about because if if a team like the Clippers is built to beat the Lakers, then it's kind of difficult to see how like a, a, a lesser version of the Lakers beats the Lakers. But Luca could also just go off. It'd be a really fun. <laughs>
0: like, it'd be a really fun offensive series. No yeah. one is guarding anyone in that no. series.
1: No, like he, can, like, he It great. wouldn't surprise me at all if if in a in in a series against you know between these two teams, Luca winds up being the best player. Like it wouldn't surprise me, and that's with. LeBron James, that's with Anthony Davis, and I guess now Russell Westbrook. It wouldn't surprise me if Luca walks you, you, you watch that series and you say, Holy crap, Luca has arrived, arrived, that kind of arrived. And, um, and it's because of what we've seen from him in past postseasons. So mm-hmm. I, I I can't wait. I can't wait to get the season underway. I can't wait to see what the Mavericks do this year with Kid, the new coaching staff, hopefully a more aligned organization. It with Haralabob going, do you think? That noise is is gone. Do you think they just that that helps hit the reset button on all of this? Or 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 do you think there'll be some lasting impact from that power struggle that that seems to have occurred all, all last season?
0: So we don't know. So the Mavericks hired as their as their ostensible GM, Nico Harrison, who was a former Nike exec. And I think mm-hmm. he played, I can't remember where he played college ball, but he's like a well-liked guy.
1: Yeah, well lauded um, hiring when they did it.
0: And, you know, they, they hired both Kid and he to, to give a, a new kind of look to the front office. Now, the question that I have about their, their long-term success is how involved is Mark Cuban? Um, Mark Cuban has been very involved in just about everything for a really long time. I mean, long-time Lakers fans will remember him in an attempt to convince Mavericks fans that we should give a shit about his salary cap and the, the payments and the salary tax and yada yada he used the example of suggesting that the Lakers should amnesty Kobe. And I use that in an article of just like long time list of dumb stuff. Mark says, because he's trying to win the new cycle yeah. and he pisses everyone off. Like yeah. players and agents remember that stuff. And so if he can take a back seat at all, and if Jason Kidd is, is able to you like leverage the fact that he's well-liked, and and same with Nico Harrison then the long term outlook for the Mavericks I'm very positive about this season I'm just it feels very health dictated because the team is fine they are you know they're capable of going nuts but it, it's it's hard for me to to really put a, a strong feeling on them other than I'm 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 glad basketball will come back without playing four and a half games and seven nights kind of thing like I just we saw you know and Lakers fans know this better than anybody just the toll that took on these guys it wasn't in retrospect it just wasn't it wasn't good for anybody um we did you know the basketball economy marches on but I'm looking forward to seeing what normal rest schedules and 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 you know consistency will do for everyone
1: yep I'm, I'm with you 100% there. I'm I'm really looking forward to next off season when I get a full month of all of August to uh-huh. just decompress from the last 24 months. Well, Kirk, this was a lot of fun. Uh, you can find his stuff at mazmoneyball.com. You can find uh, his show. He does some great live shows uh, for Spotify, Greenroom, tw- uh, Twitter spaces, all that stuff has one of the better podcast names out there and in, in uh Kirk Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 phenomenal. Um I wish I could have done some kind of a pun and did not just named it the Anthony Irwin show, but you know here we better are. off Fred. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well he just named my podcast for me. Uh um, podcast. We, so we <laughs> we need to we need to uh redo the logo on that apparently now. Um anything else that you want to plug before we get you out of here? No, I'm really
0: looking forward to the season. Our our uh, one fun part about preseason stuff. When you check various, like, you know, other teams websites, you'll get to the point of the next month where this is the one time of the year where we can write about other teams. And it's not weird because mm-hmm. you're like analyzing stuff and it's fun. And it's always fun to read what other, other fans think of your team because you, you occasionally get like, just the worst opinion possible, but then you'll get like an insight that you just won't get because you're so deep in Laker stuff. It's like, I just never thought of that. That's what I really like that about this time of year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point of this series. The entire point of it is so, well, for one thing, it gives me an experience, an example to uh, talk to my friends about basketball, but also uh, it means that I get to hear what other fan bases people covering other teams feel about the lakers so mm-hmm. that's where we're at all right that's going to do it for this episode of the uh, lakers lounge make sure you guys uh, stick around the podcast feed aaron and i are doing the hook tomorrow uh check out tonight's episode of the lowdown to now talk about the changes with the dallas mavericks and and how that might impact the lakers all of that good stuff there on the podcast feed. until next week have a good one.